In this week's lesson, Brother Kilman continues the series on Ephesians, beginning in chapter 3 at verse 14. It's good to be uh, uh, walking through the book of Ephesians with young adults. If you'll turn in your Bible, I have uh, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 14, and we'll go uh, oh, a few verses to verse 21. It's a very short passage. I'm getting very suspicious about Brother Lopez's selection of what I teach. I only have 11 slides up here, Brother Lopez. It's an act of God, I'm sure. You know, it's like one, uh, one particular preacher was preaching and I had preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and uh, one of the people said from the back, come on preacher, eventually even it, uh, Pharaoh let God's people go. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, hopefully I won't hold you that long tonight. But I love the book of Ephesians. I, I love uh, thinking about the things of God. I love the way Brother Mooney says it. He says it very succinctly, I think, right? He says, it's time to take a look at some of God's thoughts from God's book, right? And, and that's a powerful way to phrase what we're doing tonight. We're not looking for man's ideas, man's philosophy. Uh, we're going to look to the scripture to see what God would say to us and, uh, and grow thereby. Amen. Amen. Well, Ephesians chapter 3, that whole wonderful passage, Paul is talking about uh, unity. And remember, we've been talking about unity a lot from the book of Ephesians. And unity is more than just kind of getting together and singing kumbaya. <laughs> unity is something else. The biblical notion of unity, what Paul is discussing, is unity with God's purposes. Alignment with God, alignment with his agenda, uh, stepping right into the union, uh, which Paul says becomes the pressure point uh, for everything else. Or to say it another way, he says, uh, through the church, God is showing the world as a testimony what they should be. All right, so that means on your job, that means in your marriage, all of these things should glorify God. Okay, my wife's here, I have to be careful. <clears throat> But, you know, the way I treat my wife, <laughs> don't say, oh, I knew she was going to say amen. It's like terrible on a preacher to have to get up and preach about this stuff. But Paul says that when we get to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to see that when he talks about unity and all these things, his, his, it looks, it, he says spiritual warfare and all this stuff, but he gets very, very concrete, very, very practical in ways that, um, I, let me say it this way. I wish people didn't see so many devils hanging from fence posts and light posts and kind of seeing just, you know, in my attitude in my marriage is probably where the devil's attacking or on my job, or in my relationship with other people, that's probably where, where the greatest struggles are, are in terms of aligning with the will and purpose and intent of God. All right, so when you look at Ephesians, he's going to talk about, the, you know, there was a place called in the, uh, in the temple, the women's court. How many of you have ever been to a mosque? Yes, I have too. Uh, so, you, you know, uh, I went to Imam Stevens Mosque. I think it's fascinating that some of the things that we have, like still a remnant of, of Judaism, Paul said the middle wall partition now is broken down, even between not only the women's court where they had to stay at a certain distance, and then you had, uh, how many of you are not Jewish? Okay, uh, so I was like, I don't know all of my family tree. I know, I, I'm pretty mongrel myself. I don't know. We I started looking into our family tree after a while, Brother Lopez. I quit looking. I didn't want to know anymore. I was praying to forget stuff, you know. I'm just kidding. All right, but what, what that means is it, not only that, most of us would be sitting even further than that out in the Gentile court. 
And what Paul is saying is, look, in Christ, in the church, there is now no more all of these things that have ripped people apart. He says there's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. There's neither Greek. He says, look, all of those uh, separations that people use are now gone in the church. And you are modeling what Israel could never do. You are modeling. It's okay. I understand. Just... Uh, Whatever you got to do, there's a struggle. <laughs> Thank God he's a boy. That's right. All right, so that middle wall partition was broken down. All right. Um, oh, I, I want to tell a story so bad about my dad coming to get me one time in church. I was terrified. Uh, it's like the one little boy they were carrying out to, ch- out to church, and you could see mom had this look on her face. Now, that was not that bad, but he had, like, been atrocious and he was on the way out and he wailed to the church pray saints (laughs) so thank god he's not in that shape back there okay (laughs) sorry i'm a dos remember i said that attention deficit oh shiny i apologize i i will get back on track sir i apologize please don't fire me (laughs) okay so he says if you look at the church today the church is showing the world how this should be done you ready true reconciliation in the church What's fascinating is uh, brother uh, Brent, uh, brother Brent, brother French rather, uh, has a brand new book out. Anybody read it yet? Oh, uh, yes, brother Talmadge French, one of our uh, ministers, taught at IBC for years, way back when I was in Bible college in the Stone Age. Uh, he was there teaching. Uh, he came out with a brand new book. It's a powerful book um, that I think uh, that you should own. It tells the the incredible history here in the city of Indianapolis uh, of the impact of G.T. Haywood's ministry, men like uh, Andrew Urshan, and how they uh, absolutely were uh, counter-revolutionary to everything that was going on in their time. For instance, uh, how many of you knew, forgive me if you've heard me say this before, but how many of you know where the third revival of the Ku Klux Klan was? Where was it? It was in Martinsville, Indiana, about 45 minutes from here. Is that where you're from? Okay, well, well, that's true. That's true. That's true. Thank God there's a church down there carving things out. doing the. I'm just kidding. I'm being facetious. All right, so here's what happens. We had a congressman, uh, I think a mayor, and both a senator that were vocal Klan's members. All right, in the city of Indianapolis, uh, what's fascinating is uh, they, they could never get a foothold inside the city of Indianapolis. You know why? The mayor then said, I'll tell you why. It's the apostolics. He says it's those church people that are here. G.T. Haywood's church was 60% black, 40% white. Why? Because when uh, it's like Frank Bartleman said, it was he said it's like the uh, the bloodlines or the uh, the race was washed away in the blood of the waters of baptism. He said it's all been washed away by the touch of the Spirit. Because once you get a hold of this, let me tell a story on Brother Tony down in Greenfield, Indiana. A, great, a minister helping a friend of mine, Joey Riggs. I'm going to go be with him this weekend and help him with the revival. And one of the guys in his church said. He said he was absolutely racist. 
He said, I'm sitting on the side of a, a pond with my line in the water. And he's saying, and I'm telling God, because he was arguing with God why he couldn't be in church. He said, nobody was really talking to him because he was a really rough guy. He said, but he's got his line in the water and he's fishing and tears are streaming down his face. He said, I'm fishing. He said, he said, it was crazy. He said, I was catching fish right and left. And he said, the presence of God was there convicting me. And I kept lifting up and saying, I can't serve you, God. You don't know who you're trying to call to serve you. There's no way I can serve you. He said, God, look at all this racism in my heart. He said, and in one moment, God touched his heart and it was like everything turned off. And he said, it was kind of like God said, now what? See, if you want to be aligned with the purpose and intent of God, the beautiful thing is, is he wants you to be aligned and he's going to work in your life to help you accomplish what he wants you to do. Right, so that's what Brother French said. He says, if you look at that revolutionary thing, my, my uh, mother and father were uh, both uh, ministers and we would travel to uh, Haville when I was a kid. And mom and dad would get out with seven little kids. You know, there were seven of us, you know, like stair steps. And we'd get out in the middle of Haville and walk right into church and just have church. And we'd get out and everybody would be like, what are those white people doing in this neighborhood? Until, you ready? And Until you walked into the church, and then, you know, uh, uh, great men uh, would walk up to my father, hug his neck. They would pray for one another. We had incredible services. We would sing, pray for one another. Why? Because in the church, it's different. And we are modeling the potential of what the world could look like. And that's what Paul says in these passages of Scripture. He says, you're going to be a model by which God challenges everything out there. Uh. So you can be a man in such a way that you give glory to God and you walk out of there and you're such a good man that people say there's something different about him. He's different than any... Look at how he treats his wife. Look at how he treats his kid. Look at how he is a man of integrity and purpose and intention. God said, I can so align you with my will and my purpose that people would, uh, like the Bible says, see your good works. And glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Why? Because that's got to be something else than what the world can offer. Because what's in his life, what's in her life, is nothing I've seen before. See, that's salt and light. Okay, I'm trying to behave. I'll, I'll, I'll calm down. Okay, so wherever the, uh, the church went, what's fascinating in history is the world was changed. That's why uh, it was uh, William Wilberforce who started the anti-slavery movement in America. Why? Because slavery's wrong. By the way, it's Christians today that are starting to lift up and deal with the issues like sex trafficking today. Forgive me for the candid term, but there's more slaves today than when William Wilberforce started his anti-slavery movement. And you know, the only people speaking out against it, not necessarily all the politicians. Okay, it's not, you're gonna, okay. We're starting finally to get some awareness about it, but it's been Christians that have been pushing it and talking about it for years. Why? Because uh, that's who we are. We can't help but to be salt and light. All right, so Paul is, says, look, this is what God's agenda is for you to be, to live so differently, to be so aligned with God's intention and purpose that people will see it and be drawn to it. To model, you ready? But not only model to them the potential, but to challenge the principalities and powers out there. The spiritual wickedness, that dominion of sin in people's lives. All right? And so by your righteous living, just in the way you, we call it just getting up and living for God, 
just in that way, you, can, you give people the opportunity for a road out. You ready? And you absolutely can confront the kingdom of the enemy. Okay, so let's d- jump into the text. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. I got to hurry. 11 slides. No wonder you gave me this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this cause, Paul says, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What, what's Paul doing here? This is the second prayer in this epistle in Ephesians. It's his second time of moving into uh, what we would call intercessory prayer. And, prayer. and this is his prayer. I'm praying for insight for you to understand your purpose and your source. Because if you can understand your purpose and your source, you're unstoppable. Okay, all right, he goes on to say, Ephesians 3, 15 and 16, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Okay, now that, my friends, is why we're Pentecostal. Because we're talking about the strength that God puts on the inside of you. We don't, we don't get good to get God. God comes to us and we get God and good just spills out of that content that he put on the inside of me. I don't work to salvation. I work from salvation because he changed me and now I can live the way I should. See, that's what he's saying. He said that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Uh, he says, so this is what I'm praying for you. That your spirit man might find enablement to live out God's purpose. That's what I want for you. I want you to look at what God wants you to be. Okay? All right, so this is what I want you to do. If you can think with me, if I'm a man, what kind of man would God have me be? Identify that. You know, we we mostly know where the struggles are in our life. I I know the things I wrestle with and what uh, we call that war on the inside with my flesh. I know, you know, where the rubs are. All right, think of those great examples of good men that you want to be that are outlined in Scripture, great men of God that have lived with purpose and intention. Think of those things, okay? That's what he's saying. God's purpose is to align you with those things. All right, the same thing with ladies. You should think, what what is the most godly lady I think I could ever be? Okay, let me, let me go further. Think of the most powerful spiritual person you know. People like my mom, who I would get up and as a backslidden kid, I'd walk by and I'd hear in there praying, praying for such deep conviction. You talk about making a little uh, rebellious kid get down, get down to business. It's not so much the disciplinary actions as it was seeing the constant example of the love of my mother and the love of my father that reached out and just lived for God. People that have done incredible things for the kingdom of God. Okay, everybody say intention. Purpose. God's purpose is for you to be a force as a man and as a woman. So you should identify that and say, okay, now I understand my purpose. My purpose is to be a living example, a testimony to the glory of God. Now, that's Paul says, that's what I want to pray for you first. He said, the second thing is that then that you would find your purpose so that you could model and then mediate God's rule in the world. So by being the man I should be, you know what I'm doing? I am acting as God's vice regent in the world. I'm acting out dominion that he committed to Adam and Eve that they broke by not living out the couple that they should be. Okay, we'll get down to it. All right, so let me say it to you this way. 
He's saying, if you understand your purpose and you keep this right, then this is no problem. Okay, I'll say it another way. If we fail this way to align with God's purpose, you cannot ever think you're going to have victory this way. Okay, you know when I have the most trouble in my marriage? When I don't get this right. Because then I'm a carnal jerk. I'm the only one, huh? (laughs) Okay. Anybody ever been prayerless? Oh, thank you, Brother Brzezinski. All the rest of y'all going to hell for lying. I'm just kidding. Forgive me. (laughs) But when I can maintain this right, and I can remember who I'm supposed to be as a man in my marriage, that's when I have the most intimacy. That's when I have the greatest source of victory this way. And if you're having problems this way, I'm going to tell you where most of the problems are. It's this way. If you can ever say, I'm just going to align. Now, here's the positive of that. That's the negative. But here's the positive. If I get this right, it doesn't matter what's happening this way because this can't touch me if I got this right. All right? Okay, let's look at it. All right, so when we talked about it uh, last time I was here, I talked about grace, 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 right? Charis in the Greek. It's the same root word as charismata, right? The supernatural empowerment of God for the giftings, right? That's what grace came to do. Grace come to empower you to live out his purpose. So if I can just stay in the empowerment of grace, then all of this horizontal stuff is going to be okay, right? That's why in the Old Testament, every prophet, every priest, and every king was anointed, Right? They would bring them up and they'd pour that anointing oil on their head. We, as at Pentecostals, we'll say, oh, I want to be anointed. <laughs> and sometimes we confuse what anointing is. We don't know what that means. Sometimes it's like, it's like when they get up there and they're emotional. You know, somebody go, ah, and they're anointed. No, that was yelling. <laughs> or they sing with passion. And that's okay, passion. Your heart should be in your worship and your preaching. I hate boring singing. I hate boring preaching. I think boring teachers should be shot. I'm sorry, was that out loud? That last one, I apologize, Brother Lopez. All right, so put your passion in it. Okay, but passion, you ready, is not anointing. It's that something else from another world. It's that touch of God, that empowerment from God uh, to do what you could never do. It's like Brother Tony saying, I want to serve you, but I got all this stuff in my life. I have all these drives on the inside of me. It's so busted and so fractured. How could my life ever give you glory? And he says, if you'll ever get this right, Tony, I can change your heart in a moment. And the things you used to love, you'll hate. And the things that you hate, you'll now love. Why? Because he changed your heart through this. And then everything that flows out of your heart in every relationship has been ultimately changed. Not because you're such a great person, but because he has touched you and changed you and aligned you with his will. Now, why did he anoint prophets, priests, and kings? You ready? Because he says, I'm going to, and this is what anointing is, empower you to do the task I've set you to. Now, If that's what the Holy Ghost came to do, to anoint us and empower us, then he's saying, I'm going to give you supernatural empowerment to do the job I've commanded you to do. Why? Because I need you to act out my reign in the world. Because when you act out my reign by letting your life have my dominion, being under the lordship of Christ, being conformed to the image of his dear son. When you walk as the man Jesus walked, you glorify God and people begin to see, wow, there is another way to live in this broken world. Let me give you another example. Psalm chapter 2. 
12 verses. I know, can I ever get through this? I am almost done. I know you're shocked. <laughs> I'm picking on my leadership. Forgive me, Lord. I apologize in sackcloth and ashes. I come over there. I'm, I'm, I'm in a rowdy mood tonight. I apologize, Brother Lopez. All right, Psalm chapter 2. Look at what the Bible says. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of, them, uh, of the earth set themselves against, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, you ready, and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens, look, because they're saying, look, we don't have to worry about them. We don't have to worry about that person that's anointed by God. We don't have to worry about any of that. And we can come against it and we can throw off uh, any type of dominion they'd ever try to put on us, is what, uh, what the Bible's saying there. He says, uh, they say, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them with his sore pleasure. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. This is quoted to Jesus when he's being baptized. You ready? Not because it's a conversation in the Trinity, but because he's stepping into his public office. He's stepping into that public role to fulfill his duty as king to act out God's reign. And when you say, what would Jesus do? I pray that it's more than a t-shirt. I pray that you understand your job is to say, what would Jesus do? He would walk out of here and find hurting people and say, there's a way outside of the dominion of sin. There's a way for your marriage to be put back together. There's a way for your life to be changed by the touch and power of God. That's what Jesus would do. Okay, he says, uh, ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with the rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoicing with trembling. Uh, kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are they that put their trust in him. Now, what is he saying? The psalmist is saying this. When, when the enemy comes against the Lord and his anointed, he's going to step in. So if I just maintain this, then it doesn't matter what the enemy is trying to do in your life. Let me get concrete. If a man is saying, I want to live my life in a way that glorifies God, but I have addictions... As long as he says, I know this is his purpose and I'm going to maintain this. And God, if you'll help me, I'll change. God, if you can somehow reach into my heart and do what I cannot do, I will live out the way, the man that you want me to be. Then guess what? It doesn't matter what the enemy is bringing against his life. If you want to live for God and you want your life to glorify God and you want to throw off some yokes of some oppression that sin's trying to dominate your life, all you have to do is say, God, I want to do it. And this is what the Lord says. When they come against my anointed, they come against me. 
And when they touch you, they touch him. And that means whenever problems comes, whenever temptations come, all you have to do is maintain this. And remember, I don't care what the enemy's trying to do in my life. I don't care what's attacking. Let me get concrete again. I don't care what's coming against my family. I don't care what's coming against my church. If the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord, why? Because this is right. And there's nothing that's coming against us that can overcome what God wants to do. Because when they touch you, they touch him. Because who else is going to give him glory? Who else is going to live the example to show them? Who else is God going to bless and make a way for if not us? See, that's what God is saying. That's what the psalmist is saying. That's why when we read verses like, touch not mine anointed, that's not a request. That's a warning. <laughs> so when, uh, when, when people come against you, look, I know I'm not, I, not everybody is like, you know, mean-spirited people. But sometimes, how many of you know, I can have problems on my job or, and you feel like, okay, sometimes it's just people dynamics. If, not, if I'm not a very good employee, I can't blame that on God. But if I'm doing everything I can to provide, and, and still as a man, I fall short. You know what I can do? I can go to the throne of grace to obtain help in the time of need. Why? Because grace empowers me at the moment of need, and I can come boldly. Why? Because I know I'm in alignment with his purpose. And I can be confident that he will help me do the job that he's called me to do. Okay? All right? Then Paul says, Ephesians 3.17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love. Now, here's Paul's point. He says Christ can be at home in your very living. That Christ might dwell in your hearts. He can be at home in your life. Okay, that means if you create a dwelling place for him in your marriage or on your job or in your heart or in your problem, he'll come down and work. The question is not, does he want to bless our lives? The question is, will we open ourselves up to this so this can be changed? And that's God's purpose and intention. He says in verse 18 and 19, that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of God in Christ, which uh, passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, that means if, if he says <laughs> that there is something that God has for me that you can't measure the length and the breadth thereof, he says, he just leaves it hanging open. He talks about this wide space and he says that you may be filled with the fullness of God. What is the fullness of God? You ready? It's the dominion of God through the church that encompasses all creation. Okay, you know what that means? Nothing's off limits. There's no separation of the sacred and the secular. God gets to tell me what type of man I should be. He, okay, that means nothing. Okay. It's like the Lord walking down the hall of your heart and saying, I want you to be filled with all the fullness of God. I have so much an in, intention and purpose for your life, but if you shut a door off, I can't be filled. If, you, if I choose to try to serve God in every other way and treat my wife like trash, then I will have the blessing of God and I will choose where it stops. Okay. If I say I want to be filled with all the fullness of God, except I want to date this person who I know I shouldn't, 
That, what does that mean? It means that God can only bless to the extent that I open up my will and purpose to him. But if I ever dare open my will and purpose to him, he has so much direction for my life. Let me change it. He has so much direction for your life. If you could see what he wants to do, In your life, he wants to fill you with his purpose. He wants to accomplish such great glorious things in every aspect of your life that no matter where people look, they can say, wow, that's a Christian. And you would glorify God in that. That's what Paul says. He says, and and catch this, uh, people quote this all the time. If you underline in your Bible, I want to give you some verses, uh, some parts of this, two verses to underline. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. He says, now unto him that is able, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And that's where preachers usually stop and preach. More than you can drink, you know, and that's okay. I've already been too facetious tonight, forgive me. But what does he mean to, to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think? You ready? He gives us the key. According to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church. Okay, so if you want something to underline, underline according to the power that worketh in us. God is going to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or think. How? By working in us, the church. Now, we often flip that on what God can do, but it's what God's doing by agency in the church. You want to know what God wants to blow the socks off of? It's not just what, wow, God did that. He's saying he wants to do that through your life. He wants the people that get in the church to be living such a way that the Bible says, uh, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Because when you say, what would Jesus do? And I align myself to him, then guess what? Wow. That will glorify God out there. So here's Paul's uh, talk. He says, I want you to understand your purpose. Your purpose is dominion. Your purpose is living out a life in such a way that you subdue the earth around you. Remember Genesis. Uh, uh, Brother Brzezinski taught a great lesson on that on Genesis. Paradise regained in the church, right? At that earnest of our inheritance. And this is what Paul is saying. What God has purposed through the spirit-filled believer is the glory of ushering in this new kingdom of God where Christ is the head of everything. All right, so if they can come back and help me on music. What do you say? I'm saying if you want it, hell can't stop you. If you want to live your life in such a way that it glorifies God, then if you have that intention and purpose, they did hunger and thirst after righteousness, not this, all this stuff coming against you is not a problem. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled because if I get this right, his dominion, his purpose working in my life, then nothing the enemy does can stop me. Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to lift up your biggest struggle right now. Your biggest obstacle, it may just be faith. Maybe God is tugging at your heart saying, I have some great things I want you to do. You may not even understand everything that it is. And you're saying, Lord, I don't know that I can do something. Of course you can't. That's why you need this divine power stuff. And then he can work on your behalf. I want you to lift it up. Whatever that problem is, if it's a lack of faith, 
If you're in the throes of temptation, look, it's not God's will for you to live without victory. He wants, now look, you're gonna, if you're going to be a red-blooded man, no matter what God does to you, until you get a changed body, so you're going to be tempted. But I'm going to tell you, you don't have to be led around by the nose, by temptation. You can walk in victory and power because it's God's purpose to get glory through your life as a good man. And there's no devil in hell that can stop what God wants you to be as a man. There's no devil in hell, ladies, that can stop the glory that God gets through your life that magnifies Him. If you want to glorify God, I don't care what your problem is. I want you to lift it up tonight. I'm not going to try to get too concrete in application. I'm going to let the Holy Ghost speak to you individually. You know what the enemy is bringing against you. You know what you're facing. It could be finances, whatever. What you need to do is understand what Paul was praying. I pray that God would help you see the purpose that he has for your life and that your source is God. Because if I'm aligned with his purpose and my source is God, there's nothing that can stop me. My, 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 my. See, Paul said, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to show you how to walk right through the middle of a battle with your head held high. Because you can know I'm aligned with God's purpose. And I may be struggling right now, but I know God can bring me out on the other side. Come on, in your own way, slip your hand up, Lord. God, we ask you to strengthen our faith, God, that comes through understanding, God. You said that we we could come to faith and stronger faith by hearing the word of God. Help us to understand the intention of your purpose in our life is to glorify you. Every temptation, every setback, everything that the enemy's bringing against us is no match for you. And your purpose will be accomplished. Your will will work in my life, God. As long as I stay aligned with you, nothing can stop me from doing your will. Come on, that's it. As they begin to sing.